Don't stay awake for too long. Don't go to bed. Yeah. Join us at Pajama Party where we talk about friendships, love, movies, and anything you can dream of. Heart to heart talks. We got ya. Get your jams on, cars. You're in for a girls' night with Charmaine, Janelle, Denise, and Lydia. Only on Radio Pulse, the sound of NUS. Welcome back to another episode of Pajama Party. This week, we are all about women empowerment in a very girl-centric show because there's all four girl broadcasters. <laughs> I'm Janelle. I'm Denise. And I'm Lydia. And I'm saying hi on behalf of Charmaine, who couldn't be here today. But she'll be back next week. <laughs> um, we empower Charmaine to be back next week. <laughs> we miss you. Yeah, I miss you. Anyways, like Janelle said, because we are a you know, girl-centric show. So we are, women empowerment is a topic that's uh, really meaningful to us and it's part of our everyday experience. And uh, we want to celebrate some of like notable like female achievements in films that we've seen in, you know, our everyday lives and in like people that we know in general. Denise, can you start us off with a female figure that you admire? Hmm, okay. I think one female figure that I look up to is the CEO and co-founder of Canva, Melanie Perkins. So for those who, for those that don't know what Canva is about, it's just a free software, beginner-friendly designing tool you know, that non-designers can also use. And this is really popular all over the world. So why Melanie Perkins is really because she is able to pitch her idea for Canva and she's actually one of the youngest female tech CEOs in the world. So for her company to, to even like get as much funding as around um, 1 billion in six years, I think it's really, really, really very meaningful and very significant because most of the times from what I knew growing up, most of the CEOs are actually men. Then it's usually seen how um, men can lead. But now this also... With Melanie coming into the picture, it can show that actually women can also lead. They can also grow a company mm. and make it really successful. So I want to be like her. Wow, big dreams. <laughs> so it's good because uh, mm. I feel that most of the time when we talk about like, yeah, like what you said, big bosses, like it's normally the guys like Bill Gates, you know, for example. Okay, but for me, my uh, a female figure I look up to is Emma Watson and like, you may know her from Beauty and the Beast. But I think her role is crucial also because she breaks like the stereotype of what a woman is, like supposed to stay at home and do like, housework. But she's very intelligent and she studies. So that's why I really look up about her. And furthermore, she's an activist for like women equality. So, you know, as like a gender that has often been uh, discriminated or like um, with like forming of stereotypes, I think that having an activist like her is great in terms of like breaking down those walls. What about you, Lido? Uh, for me, like, it's crazy that uh, Jenna actually brought up Bill Gates just now because the person that I actually wanted to talk about today was like, is um, Melinda French Gates, who's actually, you know, Bill Gates' ex-wife. I feel like she's been in the news quite a lot recently because of the divorce and because of the things that she's been doing after the divorce. So, so like, as you all know, she actually uh, got approximately probably like 60 billion if I'm not wrong from the divorce settlement and she's actually 
yeah, and, and she's actually like donated like so much of it to the organizations that are working towards uh, fixing a lot of like social causes and uh, helping like alleviate a lot of like society's like issues, like discrimination, um, don't know what else, but as someone who is probably one of the richest women in the world, I think what she's doing here is actually so such a great um example for all of us to like she's setting such a great example for all, all of us to do good and to show that power that women hold can can be positively wielded <laughs> oh, actually on that note you remind me of michelle obama also like recently i heard of her and i didn't realize how big of a and in how big of an inspirational leader she is like she noticed that the U.S. is facing this childhood obesity epidemic. So there's a lot of children growing up with a lot of unhealthy food. And she decided like she wants to roll out for the entire nation, um, having increased access to healthier foods. And she started this like let's move campaign to actually keep people active and also to try to keep the children's menus healthier. And then at the same time, I think she also tried to um, improve the food labeling and then try to redesign the school lunch programs and I think all of this right cannot be done by a single person so every time it reminds me of how like Simon Sinek uh, also mentions like start with why and for females to have a very strong reason and to be able to influence people to take action and make a difference in their lives I think this is also something that is very um, admirable and I really really will start to follow her as well yeah, also partly because I'm big on healthcare. So I think this is really useful. Wow, big terms from Denise. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like it's also really important to acknowledge, you know, that uh female heroes are not just these people that we see on TV, on the news, and things like that. There are actually a lot of female heroes that are whose achievements go unseen in our everyday lives. And um not just in our everyday lives, even in like context that we uh, do not understand and in countries that are far away from us. And uh, one of the films that actually Janelle, Denise and I uh, watched recently actually illustrates this really well. So it's a film called Madan Sara and it's actually about this whole community of women who, who trade uh, foods, clothing, all kinds of like goods for um, by like connecting like the farmers to to the city and to they basically act as the middlemen for like selling these products and they play a really important role in getting in providing access to uh the, the consumers in the city and in towns um and they also are the ones who direct the cash flow back to the farmers as well so um the thing about madan sarah is in the film, we see that they are actually under really unfortunate circumstances where um, the state does not acknowledge their economic contribution and many of them are facing like a really dire uh, credit crisis. So because of that and because of the political insta instability mm -hmm. that's actually happening in Haiti as well, many of them are victims to systemic mm -hmm. violence. <laughs> Is that systemic violence? I guess, kind of. Okay, many of them are actually subject to uh, systemic violence and there's also um, a lot of everyday threats that they're actually facing like 
theft, sexual assault, and... More to be seen in the film. <laughs> yeah, I feel like these are all struggles that um, will actually be explored in the film, but it was overall like a really meaningful film for me to sit through and really open my eyes to how much like women are capable of. I feel the same, like, okay, in the sense that it, like, widened my perspectives. Because, like, I feel in Singapore, right, we are very sheltered. Like, from the video, I feel that we are very sheltered. We have, like, mostly, like, political stability. And, um, yeah, this kind of thing isn't, like, something you see here. So, I feel that when we engage or when we are aware of things that goes around globally, it really just, like, gives us so much more perspective. And I feel like that's why it was very impactful to me because I feel that um, like now as we speak, right, I feel like I'm in such a more privileged um, position where we don't have to um, experience that. But at the same time from the film, I felt like their emotions like really, really, um, like the emotions were really raw and the fact that it was all captured on tape, like as a viewer, it really hits you that these kind of things, you know, do happen and it's inevitable. And at the same time, you feel so um like, you feel like more can be done, you know, I feel like you need, it needs, like, justice. But at the same time, it's, like, not really within our means. Well, okay. I think I have a slightly different point of view from yours, yeah. Like, for me, when once I watched it, at first I thought that it was quite similar to how Singapore was in the olden days. Yeah, on on how, you know, actually, if you, even if you go to the wet markets now, the, those who are the store owners, right? Some of them, they really still sleep at like, they sleep maybe at around 12, then they maybe will wake up at around 4. Especially for those hawkers who need to prepare the food and go to the market to start um, to collect all the different ingredients before they actually open their shop. So I think some of them, um, they still exist, especially in the hawker centers when they're really trying very hard to make a living. And at the same time, I also see how um, some of these store owners at the different markets, right? They will try to have a very strong relationship with their current um, customers so that they will still keep coming back to them for good rates and for fresh produce. Yeah, but at the same time, I also could see how this could link back to my late grandma because she was also one of those people, like the Madan Sarah, who was working very, very hard. Yeah, because I mean, she passed away because she, she actually worked a lot and it was also like the 9pm to 3am kind of um, cycle every time. Yeah, and but the, the thing that got me very upset was the was how the women are kind of not being supported at all, even though they are the main um the main population in Haiti. Yeah, like if if they are already your main population, then why are you not supporting them? Like why do you make it very difficult for women to um, to do business? And then also why are they some why why are some of the Madansara who are actually supporting this Haiti economy being marginalized in the first place if this is what the government needs? Yeah. So I thought like once I watched this, I really felt that you know Madansara should be known to the rest of the world. And at least like if I can help in certain ways, I really hope that I can make a difference about it. Can I clarify? You just said your grandmother is Madansara. Is a Madansara. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> my, my grandmother is like a Madansara, but she I mean she's total she she's I think she's from Singapore or, or China. Yeah, but she... <laughs> no, 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 she's not a Madansara. <laughs> but she works like a Madansara. I get the guess, like the idea of working and like being a female and like having the family aspect to take care of. Mm, That's mm. what you mean, right? Yeah. Yeah, she had to support 
my my dad and the whole family also. Mm. So speaking of that, right, one of the scenes, which I will not spoil, I mean, it's for you to go and watch. I'm just going to tease it a little bit. Like, it was really, really emotional for me because, like, you see the amount of um love and care and the effort, like, they put in so much effort, right, to cater for, like, their family, you know. Seeing that just makes me feel like it's very heartwarming, you know. So I feel like that was the scene that really got me. If you want to know which scene it is, go check it out. <laughs> yeah, but I really went through like a, a roller coaster of emotions with this film. Like, it's, I, at the start, like, I, I definitely know what scene Jenna was talking about. It was like super heartwarming. And I was like, wow, this is so great. You know, like, they're doing so much for the community. And this is, it's just amazing. Yeah, but then, um, and then it suddenly became really heartbreaking. And I was like, ow. <laughs> Like a roller coaster of emotions. I know. Mm. Yeah, but it definitely widened my perspective a lot. And it's really, I think it's really something that's really important for everyone to go and watch just because uh, you need to gain that understanding of um, the struggles that women around the world are actually facing and how, you know, it's not enough to just be seated comfortably in your, you know, in your bedroom and um, be like ignor- ignorant to. Uh, these misogynistic systems that are operating around us. Yeah, but um, coming up next, we actually sat down for an interview with one of the producers of the film, of the documentary. Uh, his name is Lu, and he was representing the, the creator, executive producer, and director of the film, uh, Etan Dupin. So definitely um, stay tuned and... Stay tuned and you know there are a lot of interesting insights that you don't want to miss about the film. Guaranteed like it's a really good film. Take it from the three of us. So yeah, don't go away. We'll be um back really, really shortly with Lou. So catch you in a bit. <laughs> next segment we have a really special guest with us today on the show we have Lou from Street Team Productions representing Etan Dupe we are so excited to have you on our show yes thank you for having me appreciate it yeah could you, for our listeners could you please tell us more about yourself uh, sure so um, I am a I am a co-executive producer of uh, Marasa I was born and raised in New York City and um, I actually reached out to Etan actually to be a part of it after watching the trailer so from there, um, you know, he just kind of told me like how I can help out the film, which is basically fundraising, um, some bits, some bits and pieces of production on the back end, and he was, you know, able to put together a documentary. So the documentary was about took about five years to make. So I oh. I came on and on year four basically. So. Were you like when you say like you were helping out on the big back end? Was it uh, all? you know, in New York City, or do you actually, like, fly out to Haiti? Um, so it was mixed. So we, some of it was in New York, some of it was in Minnesota, and some of it was in Haiti. So I guess I came on in the end just to kind of put things together. Um, it was just, like, 
some footage here, some footage here, some footage here. So we're just all pulling it together. We actually really, really enjoyed the documentary. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> I know the, even though it's from a, the other side of the world, like, did you, were you able to get some of the themes in the, in the film? Uh, yeah, like, I feel like, you know, like, uh, acknowledging, like, the accomplishments and achievements of women all over the world is important to us because, um, like, regardless of, like, the, the, the context that we are in, because it's just uh, unifying, like, kind of experience that we all go through. But of course, like, the, the experiences that's been documented in the film uh, obviously something that we've never been through before, but obviously it's something that we definitely should be learning about and trying to understand through the lens of sure. the film. <laughs> so today, I understand that you are representing Ethan Dupin, who is actually the, the filmmaker and the main um, creator, director, and executive producer of the documentary uh, Madan Sara. We're wondering, like, because we also saw that Madan Sara is actually a uh, Ethan's uh, first personal film. So I'm wondering if you could tell us a bit more about like the film itself. Sure. So um, Ethan is actually the son of Ramadan Sai. So I guess that was partially why he was able to relate to the film so much. So being that his, his mom was one and over the years that him accompanying her to the market was how he kind of got to know the the seeing what modern science do and um, once he did that and later became a journalist you know reporting about Haiti and different topics in Haiti um, that also led him to kind of see who who, who are, whose voices are kind of ignored in, in society so that that and it did so his upbringing and then his job kind of pushed him to you know, be a journalist to, to, to kind of, once he decided to do a film, my outside would be the first film because of the experiences that he saw of them not being, you know, appreciated in Asian society. Mm, okay, could you um, elaborate more on what a Madan Sara is and actually what this group of people do? Sure. Uh, so Madan Saras are basically the women who help bring products into Haitian markets. So if you're in the rural part of Haiti and you're a farmer, you know, you would use a modern side to bring your, you know, your 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 carrots or your peppers or what have you to the the Haitian market. So the main cities like Cap Haitian or Port-au-Prince. Uh, so that's how a lot of you know people are fed in Haiti that natural value chain. So the Madan Sa'ah basically, it's supposed to be a noisy, the name of a noisy bird that always goes out in Haiti and whatever she, whenever she leaves, she brings back some food or something for her nest. And Madan Sa'ah is just kind of a nickname. People give the same thing, but to a woman who's doing the same thing for her family. So yeah, so that's, that's basically where the idea came and you know, what pushed they thought to, to shoot the film. Mm, it's so great to hear that, like, the inspiration came from, like, a very personal background and that he actually, um, in putting the film together, he was actually, like, narrating part of like, his mother's story as well. I think that, like, gave the film, like, a really, um, 
like a really uh, emotional aspect that uh, we could sure. appreciate as well. Yeah, mm. but um, I understand that you actually worked alongside uh, Ethan for for this film, right? Could you tell us a bit more about um, your role in in like the oh. process? Yeah. Sure. So, so as I said, like I came on a little later in the process. So, you know, the, the film was already shot and, you know, so a lot of the, the front, the, the, I guess the front stuff that you would do for a film was already done. I guess my role was more so uh, helping to keep fundraising for a film, investing in it. Um, because, you know, an independent film production, you're not working with a huge budget. So you have to be careful how much you spend and see how much you're bringing in. So I help with that. Uh, some of it was uh, research to kind of educate myself as well on monetize and everything else associated with that. But um, yeah, you know, so my role basically like kind of bringing back some of the paperwork, reaching out to distrib uh, distributors, possible distributors, because we'd like to get the film out to the major markets and, you know, trying to reach out to some press like you guys and um, yeah, just trying to do what I can to fill in the gaps. Right, right. That's such an important role that you play. Uh, I was wondering what made you decide to reach out to Ethan and to work with him? Well, so I was working on my own film, um, you know, through my company, um, shooting, you know, we, we're doing some documentaries and comedies and, as well too. So I was doing my own documentary about 80, but it was about sports. And when I saw his trailer, you know, I liked the, I liked it and I liked, I liked the topic and, you know, being that we were both doing films about Haiti, so yeah, I'd reach out. And it gave me a good lesson to see what behind the scenes film people do, if that makes sense. So it kind of gave me a, kind of fit everything I needed. Oh, no, by the way, right, so just now you mentioned that you helped with the funding for this Madan Sara film. Um, so sure. can we just ask, so what does this whole Madan Sara film mean to you? And what made you want to fund this whole filming? Sure. Um, so the film, I think the film Madan Sara, so let me just say, so, so I've personally never been to Haiti. I've never, um, you know, I've never been there and never and I never even heard of Madan Sara before, you know, seeing Eitan's trailer. So it, it was as much of a learning session, you know, for me, you know, seeing the film and kind of getting interested in the topic as it, I think it would be for, you know, anybody else from around the world who probably has never heard of Madan Sara. So I thought um, the big thing for me would be the information and kind of introduction of Haiti and new in a new light, if that, if that makes sense. But also, you know, teaching about a topic that's all around the world, with, you know, about the informal markets, because there is a version, I wanted, I like to say a version of Amara Sar in Vietnam, in Singapore, in China, and, uh, you know, basically all over the world, if you think about it. So I think that's what part of the, the connecting thing I'd, I'd say about Amara Sar that I think will be worldwide people and see a version of themselves in, in her. I was wondering if you could tell us more about the process of the film. Okay, so the process. So basically, Aton started it with a single camera shooting. Um, and then over time, as he built up a budget, we started using the drone. So the in the film where the market is burning, um, those are drone shots that um, Aton actually sent the guy to the market as a, 
It's like he just kind of sent us some shots, you know, about the market and that he just happened to get lucky that that's the day the markets were burning. So, you know, oh. Haiti is very mountainous country. So people love to see the mountains and, you know, to see the whole scenery, which, which is always nice. Adds a little touch to, to the film. Yeah, I mean, the process for shooting the film was pretty simple. It was just a matter of, you know, getting getting uh, the subjects to talk on camera. I know for one thing, Aton had a lot more footage, but it gotten lost. He had um, gotten on top of a truck, which you see in Haiti, where that's how they bring in a lot of the the products. And it was raining that day, and you know the trucks have no cover. So I think a lot of his footage it got um, rained out when uh, when he was on top of the trucks, and yeah. So oh no. <laughs> but uh, we do have an extended version that we're working on it's only about maybe 10 20 minutes and uh, we were able to get more footage but you know that that's later on hopefully we uh, mm. put that out it's such a pity that like there's footage out there that we just like can't see anymore because it's got uh <laughs> rained on yeah and did you say that the the day that the uh, ATANS like, team went down to the market, like it was a complete coincidence that it had been set fire through that day? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Oh. Um, I mean, they, they've they been using, you know, burning markets as a way to intimidate people for a while. But, um, but I think ATANS, you know, I think that was a pretty big fire that happened. And, you know, I got... I think it's at the iron market, maybe. I think it's a very, I guess you could say it's like an artifact, if you will. And um, when he sent the drone guy there, it was just by accident, just to get normal pictures. And, you know, the market was on fire, which was a pretty big event in the country that day. So just kind of shows the the, the, the the problems that are in society that will push people to, you know, burn a, a natural artifact. So Yeah. And I think it really added to like the, like whole impact of the film, like the fact that we could yeah. see the all the smoke rising and like the the things that were actually burnt. But yeah, wow. Um, right. So these scenes were really really emotional. Is there any scene from the film that um resonates with you or has like a special um, it's like special to you? Uh, so to me, I th- I think the uh the fire scene was probably the most impactful. To be honest with you, um. I had never seen that before. I had never, I didn't think people would burn down a, an open air market, but, you know, it kind of added to the whole, the whole drama of, you know, the, the issues that these women are facing and kind of the obstacles that they need to overcome just to feed themselves. So I'd say the fire scene the most. It was so emotional seeing the very raw emotions. I think that it really was like a very lucky day that you, the whole team managed to be there when it happened. It's like very, very in the moment. I think that really added so much um, impact to the film. We're actually just wondering, like, what did you think of this whole, um, like, this whole, like, circumstance that um, the Madan Sarah were actually under, like, from your perspective, from a male lens? I mean, it was a learning experience for me. So, I mean, I didn't, you know... I guess the way they teach you about like, you know, countries in the global South, you know, you, you kind of tend to have a picture of, you know, like a very skewed picture of what, what life is really like. So, you know, you, you tend to assume that, you know, gender development and, you know, equalness in society 
it, you know, it, it's kind of further along than it actually is in, in these certain countries. And I felt that, you know, they're dealing with the same gender issues that we're still dealing with, you know, to this day. It's just that the economy hasn't reached, you know, our level yet. So, so the point is, is just to, you know, understand that these gender dynamics are still going on, still being, you know, fought throughout the world, no matter the country, no matter the level. And it's kind of telling that the Marasa basically is, you could say like an engine of, a, of a economic benefit for their households and for the country, but they're not appreciated or praised for their, for their work, even though they should be just, you know, they're dealing with gender dynamics that tell them no, but they're actually able to do even still while being told no. So I thought that was pretty courageous. And of course, all the, the economic benefits that they play in the country and what a shame it is that it's not, you know, more widely known and more widely appreciated. Like, I think that's why the it's very important that we try to get the film out there as well, just to spread awareness on like the things that are going on in Haiti, like just the, the pleasure that the moderns are facing. Nah, I mean, I think part of the, the goal too for us, and that's what kind of we're always trying to reach out to different, you know, countries or institutions or establishments because I think we wanted to, if we're reintroducing Haiti to the world in a way, uh, we wanted to reach out to as many different kinds of people there are. So we reached out to you guys and, and you guys are, you know, able to give us a platform, you know, that's great for us because, you know, obviously it's nice to meet you, but also, you know, it's just a way to kind of educate more people and inform more people about Haiti and hopefully we can now build some kind of bridges between, you know, Haiti and the people of Haiti and Singapore. So. Just now you also mentioned that basically the Madan Sarah, they connect the farmers with the marketplace. And actually when we saw the documentary, part of it also highlights how they work in kind of unsafe conditions, if that's considered. Yeah, and... Um, this film actually also highlighted um, something like how there could be some systemic issues that needs quite um, needs as much help as possible. So as an audience that is watching the documentary and also listening to this podcast in Singapore, we may feel that we may be too far to help. So is there anything that we can do to support Madan Sarah? So in terms of support, so there are um, feminist groups in Haiti that are active with organizing the Maransa. Um, you know, that's a good house. You can donate if you, if you can um, to those groups. Um, there's also um, groups outside of like feminist groups that, you know, that help the community as well. So if they like microfinanciers, so if you ever heard of Finca, Falcose, uh, um, Radical Co-op, they help, you know, the monetize so whenever they need money to buy new products or you know they need they have collateral that they can put up for the monetize you know those are other organizations and i can um, you know, send that list as well you guys have it you know links and etc um but besides that i think really they just need help help organizing you know help with access to finance and really just people helping to elevate their story 
to keep, you know, keep getting more people to tell their story because, you know, that's going to help them try to get other things that, you know, we can't, we from outside the country can't do, like make sure they have like access to sanitation, accounting, you know, you know, some of the other stuff that's they're going to need to actually take the necessary steps forward. It's quite interesting that um, Haiti also has cooperatives. Yeah, because I think this scene is very, I heard that it's very useful in supporting the community and its growth also. Uh, yeah, it would be very nice to know who, which organizations we can actually reach out to in terms of um, manpower, if we can volunteer or also to give some funding. Okay, yeah, absolutely. I can, uh, I can send you a list as soon as we're there. Right, with regard to screening, uh, when can we expect the film to be available? Um, so we're hoping to get the film available sometime next year. Um, you know, we're still talking to a few distributors because, um, you know, we, we would love to get into, like, the theaters, you know, not big theaters, but, you know, like, you can get the theaters throughout the, throughout the world. You know, we would like to try to do that as well. Um, so I'm hoping sometime next year we will be in some type of streamer or or we're in some type of limited theater run because we think the story of the Manasai can speak to you know people of the world. So like it's a really good thing that you know like especially you since you're the one who's contacting the distributors like you guys are doing such an important job in actually mm. spreading the awareness around like the Manasai in Haiti and I think like. Part of it is also like getting the message out there that Haiti is not just a country with political like instability. There are so many like different cultural aspects that make its culture really rich and a big part of that, the Madan Sara that actually contributes so much to the economy. I think really helps in, you know, like celebrating like these women, um, like their achievements around the world. We're really glad that you uh, shared this film with us. It's no problem. Like I'm happy you guys <laughs> took the time out to watch it. So. Yeah, and because of that, we really hope, like, for our listeners out there, when the film comes out, you will take the time to go and, you know, watch it as well. Just give it a few minutes of your time to really appreciate the message that um, Etans, Lou, and the rest of the team is trying to get out there. Yeah. Um, on that note, is there any, you know, like, um, moral of the story or, like, any message that you would want our listeners to take away from like this interview? Sure. So I think I want people to kind of invest in women. I guess that would be the first step. Like, you know, um, I think the women, not just the women in Haiti, but, you know, I think the women in general, you know, when they have a system that's working, you know, we should try to try to understand it, but also try to support it as well. And I think that's a big thing. You know, they actually... Because part of part of what's the themes in the film is if you actually invested in women, meaning, you know, putting the right security around what they're doing, make sure that they can operate at a huge level. You don't know where the country would be, the positive effects. And I think that's, you know, what ASAN wanted to help get through, that you have to invest in these women so that the, the country can keep moving forward. But, you know, I, I just encourage people to keep an open mind, you know, to different kinds of films, you know, like... Um, I think Netflix now has allowed people to enjoy the films at the same time, even though they're in different languages. So, yeah, I would just encourage you to keep an, you know, an open eye towards, you know, Haitian films, uh, Singaporean films, and you know, all the different kinds of films the local community can do. But, yeah, you know, just want to encourage people to come see the film, 
come to Haiti when it's safe. And um, that's it, you know. Right. On that note, we would like to ask, uh, with Street Team Productions, are you guys looking to continue producing more of these kind of documentaries? Uh, yeah. So we have uh, one other documentary about the uh, 1974 Haitian soccer team. Um, so that's a sports one. But outside of that, um, you know, we have like uh, different web series projects, uh, comedies, uh, different podcasts too that we're working on uh, about a different kind of topic. So, uh, you know, still that those are our next projects. I look forward to that as well. You know, the documentaries have been so um, impactful, so emotional. So um, we really do look forward to upcoming projects. We're just wondering, um, could you tell our listeners uh, where we can find the film when it's available? <laughs> Oh, sure. Um, so um, we're thinking the film is going to be available on streamers um, sometime next year. Um, I'm hoping it's going to be this summer. But for now, we're continuing to do like screenings for different organizations. Um, some of them free, some aren't. And if you want to be at the next one, I would say just look out for the Manansara um, website. And, you know, once you go on the website, you'll see our listings of future screenings and people can just sign up from there to see the film. But we're hoping to do, organize more screenings throughout the world. So if there are organizations in Singapore that want to do some or partner with us, you know, we're, we're willing to do that as well. Yeah, and with the really impactful message that you're putting out, we really hope that it um, makes it into the theaters as well, because it's definitely a film that everyone should catch. On that note, we, like we were really sad that we couldn't talk to Ethan today, but uh, talking to you was a great experience anyway. To wrap up this very last segment of our show today, we thank you for sharing so much about the issues highlighted in the film, and we think that it was a really insightful sharing. Um, uh, no, thank you very much. Thank you for the time and the platform for getting us through, uh, you know, well, giving us a time to talk about it. So hopefully people will like it when they see it. Thanks, Lou. I think, yeah, this documentary or this film has really been very insightful like I learned about the Madansara which I also didn't know of until I watched this and um, from my perspective I think looking at how they spoke about their lives and how they worked super hard for their own children this really gives a lot of inspiration in terms of you know continue fighting in our own lives as well to keep always keep going so I think it's very motivational and inspirational and I hope that everyone else can also support because this really can make a difference to the way that you see the world too. Right. Thank you so much, Lou, for taking the time to be on our show today. We hope you had a good time here. For our listeners, do give uh, Ethan, Lou, and the film a lot, a lot of love when it's out. With that, we come to the end of another episode and we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye! Bye. Tune in to Pajama Party on Spotify every Friday. Here on Radio Pulse, the sound of NUS. Good night. Sleep tight. And don't let the bed bugs bite.